0: Hello, this is Father Patrick Bajkowskis. Welcome to Frank Friar Fridays broadcasting from St. Dominic Priory in St. Louis, Missouri. And if you're joining us for the first time, a very special welcome to you. I'm going to begin with a prayer. God of Peace, I pray that I do not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, I will reap a harvest if I do not give up. I pray for an increase in my patience so that I can experience the fruits of my labor. I pray that I do not focus on the things that I see. Instead, let my mind be focused on you, for you never fail. Amen. I f- felt like, at least for me, I needed a, a prayer for patience today. and <laughs> I suspect every day. I hope it was something that may have touched you as well. I left off with the decision to come to Purdue that my provincial made, and I think, as I said at the end of the last episode, it was a very, very good decision. Now I wasn't sure about that as it started the the. Uh, years i was there was well, i was there for one academic year so it was 2004 2005 and i had been helping out at the uh no i was doing I had been doing my 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 clinical pastoral education at, in denver and then i came out to purdue and saint thomas aquinas and within an hour of my arriving father dan davis was the pastor We left on a camping trip with the student leaders. I think there was about a half a dozen of them, literally within an hour. I arrived sometime in the afternoon. I think it was on a Friday. And we drove for a long time up to around Traverse City. It wasn't quite in Traverse City. There was a ferry that was going to take us over to this island. And as I recall, it was called Big Bear Island in the middle of Lake Michigan. We got there three or four hours early before the ferry was going to to shuttle us over there. So it was like, I don't know, two or three o'clock in the morning. And I don't know why we got there at that hour because then we had to wait for the ferry. So we're sleeping in the car, trying to sleep in the van. And then the 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 ferries start moving um, moving us over to the to the island, and it was a long trip. I mean, it was a probably a two-hour ferry ride out into the middle of, I guess it was Lake Michigan. Of course, it was Lake Michigan. I don't know, maybe it was Lake Superior, but it's this this uh, basically uninhabited island except for some national park people that lived there. There used to be people that lived on the island, but they were all basically kicked off. I think there was still one house that was sort of grandfathered in, and that's what uh, Father Dan had done for at least a couple of years to sort of have a team building experience with the student leaders on this godforsaken island in in the middle of the ocean. It felt like it was in the middle of the ocean. And so I, and he gives me, I didn't have anything to camp, so he gives me this little pup tent and a sleeping bag, and we have, he's got this spot, which was an hour away from the, an hour walk away from the, the dock, and we're lugging all this stuff, all of our food and water for five days, and and uh, all the, you know, the camping equipment and everything, and it was a hard hike, and I'm tired, but on top of it all, so it's, it's still in the morning. I've never felt water that was so cold as a, that lake, We're, and that's where we had to bathe, but it was impossible to bathe because it was so darn cold. I don't know why it was that every morning Dan Davis was waking up so refreshed. I couldn't sleep. I had this skinny little thin sleeping bag. The, the, the ground was as hard as a rock, and he's waking up refreshed, and so I didn't, I didn't get invited until like two days into the trip to see his, his tent, his in, which was, of course, big. And he had this like two foot wide, I'm exaggerating a bit, but it seemed very wide, thick, let's say, air mattress. So he's, he's got this great night's sleep every night, and I'm sleeping on rocks and not getting any sleep and the, the these girls were next to me. I, I tried to help them understand that their tent did not prevent them from prevent me from hearing everything that they were talking about and they would talk all night. Anyway, I would like to say it was a a lovely experience, but it was horrible. There was horse flies, this freezing cold water, and then it would be hotter than blazes during the day. And it was just not my cup of tea. And that was my introduction to campus ministry at Saint Thomas Aquinas. I was grateful to, to get back to West Lafayette. Back then, we lived in the, the center. We had this, these apartments that now are occupied by the church mice. And I really enjoyed it because I was very, I had lived such a long time in Washington, DC. I never had a car, and I didn't have a car when I was a student brother at Purdue at St. Tom's. And I was perfectly fine with me. I walked everywhere that I needed to go and really got to know that little area of Chauncey. And if I wanted to go see a movie, I would walk down to see a movie and spend a lot of time on campus. And the um, living situation I just thought was perfect for us. I I was very blessed back then. The uh, bishop, Bishop Higgy, allowed the student brothers then to preach at Mass. And since then, that's been revoked and it was revoked before Bishop Doherty came, but it was sort of pushing the envelope a bit. But I, so I got to, I got to preach every week and I I found it a a very blessed experience. I had a committee of, uh, I think it was just resident parishioners when I think about it, that would reflect with the, um, with me about the reading uh, and I found it a very, very helpful and fruitful experience for me. The involvement of the students was very different back then. There was not a lot going on, and I was involved in whatever the students were doing. But it was all pretty much confined to Wednesday night. There was just there uh, was a, a, a sort of a schedule of a rotation of activities. There'd be One Wednesday when we would do something theological, maybe we'd reflect on scriptures or something like that. There'd be one uh, Wednesday when we would do some service work. There'd be one Wednesday when we did something social. Um, And then maybe something, there was a fourth thing, maybe it was sports or something like that. I don't know. But basically, I I do recall those three things that we rotated around. And uh, that was it. There wasn't a lot else going on. There were life guides, thanks be to God. And there was a, a, a good program, not quite as big as what it is now. I think we had about 30 or 40, and now I think there's more like 60 or 70. I don't know during COVID if there's those sorts of numbers. But before I left, we were around, up around 60 to 70 students participating in life guides. And that was really the most active student ministry that we were doing. And it's, it's, It remains a, a great program. And we had uh, a Bible study that I would be involved with with, that the resident parishioners were doing, and that was every Monday night. And I was just present. You know, the students were around, but again, not in the same way that they they are now. And so I was involved as much as I could be, and certainly I spent a lot of time preparing for my homilies. I felt it was a very important part of uh, what I was doing. I taught some RCIA, RCIA and I um, would um, help with the, with the life guides uh, to a certain extent. I got to know the, the priests there, certainly, and they were, they were great mentors for me. Uh, Dan Davis, uh, Jim Barnett, Steve Coleman—I'm sure the Purdue people that were our resident prisoners would remember them—and they are—they're uh, are, men that that I still look to as as great models of living out their Dominican life. Uh, the the probably big event of that year that I was there, in some respects, was that John Paul the a second died in the spring when I was there. And it. I think that the, it, it sort of uh, really impacted the students, but I don't think that it was necessarily a really sad moment because he had had such a long pontificate and done so many good things and had served so well and it was his time to be called home to God. And then there was, of course, excitement about the, the new pope. Uh, the rest of my years at the so i of course i returned after my my year there and I, I got very very good reviews from the brothers and and it was a wonderful experience for me and and as i'll mention in probably a couple episodes set in motion my life as as a as a priest my that one year as my as a student brother the uh and back in the studio, and I would return to St. Louis. We were living in Jesuit Hall still at that time. The, the, the community, as I had mentioned, had been very small. We were down to 11 or 12. But then it continued to, to grow and to, and to flourish. Uh, we remained in, in Jesuit Hall the entire time that I was here. The uh, um, um, thing, though, that changed as well was that we we had a, a, our school the Aquinas Institute, the um, school building itself was direct almost directly across the street from us in Jesuit Hall, and while I was here towards the end of my time here, we moved into our own building and that was a very exciting thing to have happen. The um, the the just the sort of character and nature of our our. Experience changed. We we sort of had our own identity. Now we were so often mixed in with people thinking that what the Aquinas Institute was was some sort of a uh, a, a part of the St. Louis University because we were on the campus of St. Louis University. And when we moved into our own building, we were no longer on campus, although we were very close to it. We were right next to campus. And I became involved in in some student activities at Aquinas Institute trying to to develop some social activities and incorporate the lay students in with the the student brothers. My friendships with people here in St. Louis uh, continue to grow. Eric was here, Steve Monique, Brian Smith, people that are still around and still very good friends of mine. I never spent a summer in st louis thanks be to god well i shouldn't say that i mean there's a lot of nice things about the summer in st louis but there's a lot of challenging things too it gets awfully hot and awfully humid but there are some i spent my first summer in in st louis this past summer i arrived july first i had never been here i would come up or come down to st louis when i was living in springfield and enjoy some of the summer activities because there's a there's a outdoor Shakespeare theater and, and opera season and concerts. The Muni, I think it's called here. There's a Broadway play sorts of things. So there are some nice things to do. But the other summers that I was in formation, so to speak, I, one of them I, I helped at the, the pre-novitiate in Memphis. Uh, I ran a summer camp in Chicago at our church on the south side, the near south side, St. Pius, the church which is in Pilsen. That was an extraordinary experience. I didn't expect to be in charge of it. I was supposed to just go and help out and they had hired some, some graduate student from Notre Dame to, to run the program and it's fairly involved. I think it in, involves something like 80 or 90 or 100 students, all of them Hispanic. That parish has 4,500 families. Nine, I'm not exaggerating, 99%, 95%, something like that are, are uh, Hispanics. And so this, this young woman that came from Notre Dame to run the program, she lasted, I think, one day, maybe two, and quit and fled. <laughs> I don't know what she was expecting. I, I mean, I thought it was fine, so I was... There was nothing to do, with the the pastor said, "You're going to have to take a take this over." And I was fine doing that. I didn't. I wasn't daunted by it at all. The uh, funny experience that so I, I we were we would watch a so I I structured it in a very particular way. I think it was a six week program, and every week we would have a different focus. So, for example, we might have uh, something where we would focus on. Uh, aquatic animals so we would st- we would it would be a week when we would go to the aquarium and and do some fun things like that and we would go to a museum every week we would go to the natural and and of course Chicago is blessed with some ex- extraordinary museums so it would the week that we would go to the aquarium we would do things related around learning about aquatic animals and we would always start the week on Monday morning i think it was with a movie and it would be things like uh, Finding Nemo or Madagascar or Ice Age or something related to the theme for the week. And I sent uh, permission slips home to these children, with these children, because I thought, well, maybe, I guess that's what you're supposed to do if you're showing movies. <laughs> and that's the movies I'm showing, all these Disney, Disney films. And the first day we're doing these icebreakers and I'm asking what their favorite movie is and one of these little children, I mean, they couldn't have been more than in second grade. We, we, it went from kindergarten to sixth grade, I think that was the range of ages. And the, the child said, the second grader said, "Well, his favorite movie was "The Bride of Chucky." And I, <laughs> I, was, I was stunned. I said, "Bride of Chucky." I hadn't even seen "The Bride of Chucky," and I knew that it, what it was and I thought it was a horrible sort of thing to watch. and I said, well, how did you get to watch that? And he says, oh, my parents got it for me. And I'm like, oh, I wonder what they think <laughs> I'm doing. I'm sending, them, sending these permission slips to watch Finding Nemo in Ice Age in Madagascar. Their parents are letting them watch Bride of Chucky. They must have <laughs> And they must have had a good chuckle about my sensitivities. Uh, I, it was a nice experience. I, I, I They're lovely children. And... And, uh, and it was, and I got to know the the community there at St. Pius. Our brothers there are all in what we call limited service, getting close to retirement, and they're a wonderful group of men. Of course, many of them have since have passed on, but uh, they were very supportive of me, and and supportive of me long after I left that summer experience with them. They continued to. I know they prayed for me and if I was able to persevere, uh, it was because of their their prayers. Uh, w- then the, the last summer that I had before I was going to be ordained to a deacon, I, I was in Berkeley, California. Actually, I lived in Oakland at the studium there for the Western Province and I would take classes at the, the Theological Union I think it's called CTU, Catholic Theological Union, at, uh, at uh, the University of California in Berkeley. And it's the Dominican School of Philosophy and Theology. So it's like uh, the Aquinas Institute, but it's in, it's in Berkeley. And boy, what a wonderful summer that was. I didn't, have a, I didn't have any sort of transportation as far as a car. I guess I could have signed one out occasionally. Maybe I did do that. But I did have a bicycle. They gave me a bicycle. And I would ride my bike over to my class. I had a class in uh, the Gospel of John, and it was, boy, it was a tough course to have for summer school. We met every day, and we our reading assignments would be like 100, 150 pages a day. Um, but we had an excellent teacher. He had been uh, assigned full-time at the École Biblique in, in Jerusalem. the a scripture scholar, and then he would Come back in the summers and teach at the Dominican school there, and I lived with the Western Province brothers. there weren't many student brothers there at the time, there was mostly older brothers like it's like our St. Pius on the south side, more of a place for brothers that we that we as I said we call it, say are limited service, so they're all praying for us and it was um a, a beautiful place to to spend uh, summer, and the weather was spectacular. I have some friends in the San Francisco area, the Bay Area, from high school, and from my time in in Springfield, and I got to to spend some time with them, which is a quest, certainly a blessed time as well. And then I came cl- came to the end of my my six years in studies, and I made it. I survived. I. I I think at the beginning, I was never going to be able to to do it. It was a, a very challenging time for me. I I hope I learned a lot. I hope I did credit to the Aquinas Institute. I think it's a good school. I think it is uh, a great uh, treasure for our our Church, in the capital C Church, and for our our order. And I think that the the men and women who taught me are uh, exemplary in. Uh, in, as theologians and philosophers and helped to form me to be the, the priest I am today certainly in, in, in teaching me to, to preach as well and as it came to the end and approaching my graduation from the Aquinas Institute I was also approaching of course my, my ordination uh, first as a deacon and then as a priest and that's where we'll pick up next time God bless you all, have a wonderful week